Welcome back to another Untitled Tribeca review. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside. He's allergic to tomatoes, but he is tomato meter approved. So please, Chef Puck, no tomatoes today. Uh, Eric Marchin. Matt, it's a fuck house. <laughs> he just had to. For context, everyone, it's a line from a movie. From William where- Freakin's Jade. <laughs> Where David Caruso, in a very CSI style scene, finds a Wolfgang Puck like a cookbook, right? No, in, it's it's like a, a frozen dinner. Oh, yeah, in the fridge, right? Yeah, because I'm like, why would a cookbook be in the fridge? Um, hey, everyone at Disney, hope you're listening. <laughs> he he finds it in the fridge of a seedy sort of escort yeah. service room that's recording their clients and like it's basically like a crime scene now and and the way that he determines that it's you know seedy but also like using like the top of the line kind of you know sex toys well, they find and, sex toys and drugs and yeah cocaine and and, and a Wolfgang Wolfgang Puck. Puck, frozen pizza <laughs> and, and he says he li- he literally delivers the line it's a fuck house <sighs> Well, so that today is Wolfgang it, Puck's legacy. <laughs> today it is a Puck house here on Untitled Movie Reviews, where we review David uh, Gelb's uh, Wolfgang, uh, which will be streaming on Disney Plus uh, this Friday, June the 25th, following the life and career of one chef, Wolfgang Puck. Um, <clears throat> Eric? Yes. Yes, Matt. Um, how you doing? Have you ever eaten at a Wolfgang Puck restaurant? That's my first question to you. At a Spago? Uh, Not at a Spago per se. Well, I mean, no go on the Spago, um, <clears throat> uh, but I have watched the movie Jay <laughs> directed by William Friedkin. That's all you need then. Yeah. No, um, I haven't. Have Have you? Uh, I remember, yeah, I think throughout my life, as a kid of the 90s, you were also a kid of the 90s. I was. That was you I know, was a kid. The, uh, I mean, you grew up in the nineties like I did. Um, <clears throat> I feel like we were at the prime point of when Wolfgang Puck was at his fucking peak. When his Wolfgang Puck. Best. <laughs> yeah. Stop. <laughs> this is a Disney movie. Um, it sure is, Matt. It sure is. Um, where he was like literally everywhere. I remember a trip that I took um, to uh, Walt Disney World. Ironically, un- 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 ironically to Disney World. Um with my uncle Mark, shout out to Mark, uh, Mark and Dana, my aunt Dana and uncle Mark. Mark is a, a cinematographer. Um, he took me to Disney and it was like, yo, we're going to Wolfgang Puck's restaurant tonight. It was like a big fucking deal. And I remember as a kid, even knowing that that was a big deal. And then as you go on, I remember eating. I don't remember what I had. I was like an idiot kid back then. I remember asking for like buttered noodles everywhere I went because that's all I would eat or something. Um but remember going to Wolfgang Puck's restaurant there. And then as I got older, Wolfgang Puck became that guy where it was, he was like airport food to me. Right. Where it was like <laughs> every airport I went to, there was a Wolfgang Puck restaurant and also a Wolfgang Puck like takeout counter. And then so like, I, again, I've never gone to one of his legitimate restaurants in Los Angeles like Spago. And there's a couple other Spagos and he has a couple other restaurants. Or, I mean, he had 65 restaurants at one point around the yeah, world. Yeah, I mean, part um, of the, the, the film is that like you see this sort of meteoric rise to success in the 1980s and him just being sort of nonstop workaholic, uh, you know, sort of 
media mogul, uh, kitchen magnate and chef and sort of turning, you know, the idea that the cook is a blue collar job, blue collar cook. He invented the celebrity chef, which you sometimes you know what? forget. You know, I, I kind of disagree well, with Julia Child. Yes. And like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, and I, they I do that. mention that in the movie, but I feel like they kind of they don't give her enough credit. Yeah, some of that because Julia Childs was kind of like the Jacques Cousteau of cooking in you know the 1960s and 70s, where she had a lot of TV specials. She is she was kind of the face. I would say the modern celebrity, chef, right? Because right. I think Julia Child is almost a step above a lot of I I don't know like I, to me. I feel like she's in another league almost. Right. Than but what, she, like, she was she was a name to the point where Dan Aykroyd was parodying her on SNL in the 1970s. Like That's fair. But I just mean Wolfgang and they go over this in the movie, obviously. And But I know um, what you're saying. Like he he kind of reinvented the 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 definition of the celebrity chef and more I think more specifically the TV chef like in the, America yeah. with, with with California cuisine because part of the story is that like you know, Wolfgang being Austrian and, you know, having uh, not a great uh, home life with a uh, abusive coal miner stepfather, stepfather and yeah. being sort of, you know, basically cast aside and running away from home and, and working, you know, these kind of mediocre jobs and, and peeling potatoes and things like that. And then, you know, going to France and learning about cuisine there and sort of, you know, the art form of, of, of cooking and then coming to California and applying that kind of similar style, but also realizing that at that time in the late 1960s, early seventies, you know, the U S didn't look at food as anything but substance. It, it wasn't, you know, tasteful. It wasn't interesting looking. It always pre-packed in frozen dinners and sort of just kind of ugly, bland, um, tasteless sort of food. And so his style was just it, very simple, but effective sort of, you know, get the best kind of, you know, farmer's market uh, quality uh, ingredients and kind of work from there and sort of developing fusion techniques with, you know, Chinese and French uh, cuisine, and then on top of that as well, sort of you know having the open kitchen um, concept that kind of was a big deal at that time because you know you never really saw the chef. The chef, you know, was in service. The guy who of, worked in the back, yeah, yeah. Which Major weirdly, food. like, not we haven't seen the movie yet, but like the trailer for Pig kind of also touches on that a little bit, where like you hear Nicolas Cage's character talking about like somebody serving somebody else and not really knowing who that person is and doing it for your whole life, and that's kind of what <clears throat> being a chef is. But yeah, he redefined it for, you know, the next generation of sort of food personalities and TV personalities and the food network and things like that to a way where like when you think of, you know, TV chefs, obviously, yes, you think of Julia Childs, you think of Wolfgang Puck, you think of Emerald Lagasse, you think of Anthony Bourdain, you think of more recently Guy uh, Fieri, Guy Fieri uh, and and. Uh, um, Gordon Ramsay, Gordon Ramsay like, yeah. like him, like Gordon Ramsay, like took the William, the, the William, the Wolfgang oh, the, Puck sort of, um, uh, I'll just be an asshole instead. And then, yeah, like, no, but, but he took that sort of that, that style and spread it even thinner. Like, oh, totally. Like, I feel yeah. like there are things that Wolfgang Puck, like, obviously, you know, he doesn't have an app or things like that, but like to the point where like Wolfgang Puck, you know, would look at like the stuff that Gordon Ramsay is doing right now and being like, dude, you need to like, 
scale it I back a little bit. I think they are friends because I think Wolfgang Puck has been on MasterChef and, and Hell's Kitchen and stuff before. And that makes sense that they probably know each other and and, and like each other. Because I agree with you that Gordon Ramsay does feel like, you know, this generation's Wolfgang Puck. But even more um, of a brand than even a, Puck. Which I is- agree. And like, but that's one thing that I, I enjoyed about this movie because I, I knew of Wolfgang Puck, but he did become this like kind of caricature in my eyes of going like oh he'll just throw his name on anything like his like could his frozen foods or his soups even really be that good like his airport food i remember having like a shitty sandwich when the the pearson uh uh international airport in toronto had a wolfgang puck restaurant and he i was like oh this guy will just fucking slap his name on anything and i'm like the quality control can't possibly be there so you almost forget how influential he was to a lot of modern things in you know cuisine in in america and to the celebrity chef and things like that and even to making a brand out of your name and then just so i found it kind of interesting to kind of it, it's pretty by the book and, and and paint by numbers when it comes to you know uh um a a documentary about someone but like again directed by the guy who did jiro dreams of sushi and he which does, is a much uh, better documentary uh, sort of sure. focusing on uh you know a famed sushi chef who's not necessarily <laughs> a celebrity chef but you like we'll we'll talk about this more with the anthony bourdain doc when we get to mm-hmm. it, but like there's an episode of, which i did of like one better of his, than this spoilers, yeah there's an but. episodes of one of his shows where anthony bourdain goes to jiro's um sort of like this small little tucked away um restaurant that's near a subway that like you have to stand outside for like three hours before lunch because it's only open during lunch and pay like a two to three thousand dollars for like a a, a 15 course meal in 20 minutes, but it's considered by many uh, to be like one of the greatest 30,000 yen or about $270. Yeah. Like one of the greatest meals to ever you could ever eat. And that I would definitely try to do that. Oh, same, same. If I was in Japan and I had like, you know, some time to actually, it's worth the 300 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. But the idea of that (laughs) movie and, and this does it too a little bit, but I think that this movie, because it's not a Disney film, was able to kind of like, sort of dig inside the cracks and crevices a little bit more yeah, and give you something a little certain, bit more substance. Yeah. yeah. Explore a little bit because the idea of, of, of Jiro Uno is that like, you know, he's a guy that's at the top of his game when they were doing this documentary and, you know, still is very much revered. I don't know if, I think he's basically retired now. I think his son is running the restaurant. Yeah. Um, but you look at this guy, it's like, well, what more could you want? And he doesn't even think of himself as, as being the best. He's still striving for, perfection and he's still hungry to you know find new things and new ways to perfect the art of of you know sushi and and sort of the cuisine of that and this does that a little bit but this like as you mentioned kind of feels like a more straightforward kind of uh wikipedia-esque entry into like his great into wolfgang puck's greatest hits um and when you get into sort of like the moments of conflict in his life whether it be you know like him going into business for himself or the stuff with you know his family background in austria and his stepfather um or even later on in life with with his divorce like it only feels like it sort of touches the surface of those things absolutely and doesn't really go any deeper into them where you could get more just sort of an introspective narrative where this is just kind of like okay this happened and this is why this you know changed uh 
you know, the way that I, I do things in this moment of my life or like why now I, I, I'm more, you know, um, stingy with my time back when, you know, I was running, you know, 64 restaurants and I was always on camera. And like the thing that I remember him the most from was he was the, like for the longest time, he was the kind of like the, the head chef for the Oscars. Yes. Every year you'd always see Wolfgang Puck and you, that celebrity kind of influence. And even with Disney, obviously producing this movie and he has restaurants at Disney and he's been heavily involved with ABC for a long time with Good Morning America and the Oscars, like you mentioned. And (coughs) excuse me. Um, So like, yeah, I don't know. Like I knew enough about Wolfgang Puck, but I think why I kind of dug this, even if it was a straight up kind of Wikipedia adaptation, which is sometimes a complaint from me and you when it comes to a doc or a biopic, mostly biopics, like a doc I'm kind of fine with because like sometimes that's just what they are. Talking head, here's highlights of someone's life and and that's what the doc is and it doesn't necessarily go deep on one aspect of it. But I kind of liked just having him the focus, having him in his age now, just talking about his career and kind of going over it and seeing archival footage and him visiting Austria again and having his, his kids sister in, and his sister and having his kids involved and going around and then just and having those greatest hits from a guy that I think because he's done so much and his name has been over some everything that um a refresher of going, no, this guy was, he has Michelin stars. He was so influential. He is a great fucking chef, which is why he was so successful. Um, I think was just a, a nice kind of refresher or reminder of Wolfgang Puck, the man and not the brand, if that makes sense. And then that's yeah, why defining I kinda, him as a person and not yeah. a product. Yeah, and I think that's why I enjoyed it. And I liked the cinematography. It's, uh, again, you we mentioned Jiro Dreams of Sushi. Uh, uh, David uh, Gelb directed that, but he also did Chef's Table. On, he also directed on, the horrible demonic possession movie, Lazarus. The Lazarus Effect. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is so weird when you look at his filmography of like, I get a lot of documentary filmmakers go, oh, I'm going to try to make a, a, a narrative feature. But you would think that he would do like like a like a cooking bio or something yeah, like or that something, or something like, I know I'm going to do a demonic possession movie. (laughs) Like it's horrible again, like four years after Jiro, like doing that, like he must've just been a gun for hire, but like why him? That's so interesting. I mean, maybe he just has an interest in horror films or the genre, or maybe he was working with people like Olivia Wilde and Donald Glover and Mark Duplass and and Kevin Peters. Yeah. Yeah, Terrible film though. Uh Yeah. Oh, totally. But then like chef's table, I do enjoy a lot. And just from the cinematography and I thought this movie, Oh, the food looks um, amazing. Yeah. And, and I, in chef's table and both in this and I, um, yeah, I just like them following him around. It's shot and wide. Um, it does that uh, kind of dreamy, which was a little grating at times as they kept doing it. Like, especially uh, at the beginning where like he's, where you get like, so you can basically tell the structure of this or how this movie was probably made was they sat him down and did his interviews first and then, and then got they got the role. The, and, yeah. yeah. And so like, or, or even like when he first sees his sister and like, he goes to the door and not, and, and, and rings the bell. And this it's from the point of view of the sister coming to the door. Like it's it, a lot of it is very staged. Uh, totally, and some of yeah. that interaction, which kind of, is a little <laughs> bit hollow to me, but yeah, I agree with you specifically with the filmmaking where like some of it just after a while becomes a little bit annoying 
and you kind of it feel can like, look beautiful at times i think yeah i mean like, overall it's very pristine it's very clean it's very slick, sanitized yeah. and and like it's just it's it kind of what you'd expect a disney documentary to be like it's only an hour and what 18 minutes and, oh, it, yeah, and, yeah. It, and it feels like it kind of glides through <clears throat> you know the again the greatest hits the moments that are important to him and it does give a little bit of of, of recognition to um his first wife barbara um i i can't remember her last name but how important like she was uh, lazaroff lazaroff how important she was to not only the brand, but sort of, you know, being the first person in his life that actually sort of supported him in any real way because he didn't really get any of that at home. You know, even though he had a mother that he loved and, and a grandmother, you know, like they kind of had to, you know, basically obey the stepfather and the stepfather being that kind of guy who was like, you know, you'll never succeed. You'll, you know, being at it in a kitchen job is not what a man should be doing and like you know he faces that again in the 1970s when he goes to california and works with the restaurateur um of maybe Hassan and and sort of seeing oh, how that, that guy was a fucking character i know he was the worst and it's like at, at the same time it's like man you really screwed up when you did not you know give him 50 percent because obviously yeah. the reason why that restaurant was successful was because of wolfgang puck yeah and that guy's ego got in the way yeah and-, and could you imagine like just kicking yourself afterwards i think one of the little things that i love the most about it is when they're opening their their first uh restaurant the spago uh, it's in 1986 and you see posters for the fly blue velvet yeah Hannah and what her a sisters time, right? and uh mona lisa because they're right in Hollywood, right? Yeah. Like right in the in the middle of it. And then just seeing like how many celebrities and that's what made him really, right? Is like he Well the had pizza, a prime- that's that's the big thing. Like well, that was like his first kind of like makeshift invention where it's like you make that a pizza salmon that's pizza. Yeah. yeah, that's not like a a classically trained dish, but it's not it's it's kind of like his first fusion thing where it's not really a salmon Italian, dish, it's not yeah. Italian and it's like this weird sort of combo takes of the, the idea of pizza and then a smoked salmon sandwich and kind of make made this thing that kind of took off and then and spago even being a place that was you know uh fine dining but also had those kind of casual elements to it which i i, I kind of always is like i guess has been his brand forever right like i talked about like there's wolfgang puck both feels like you could go something and get like a, a Michelin star experience, or I'm going to go get a fucking ham and cheese sandwich at the yeah. airport. Or and Johnny I think Carson when like, he freezes his yeah. pizzas and he's like, you know what? I should get into the frozen pizza business. <laughs> yeah. And that's what I mean by like, it, he's, it's so fascinating to me that like he, he got a Michelin star like in 2016, like he's still killing it. Like in one of his restaurants in like uh cut, I feel like in, in Singapore um, got one. I was just looking up and like you look at his restaurants and he still has so much. And I think the movie does a good job kind of like, and like you said, it is the, probably the easiest way to make a documentary. You find one subject, you literally do a one whole day of him talking about his entire career. And then you fill and in the you blanks, fill as in you the go. blanks with footage and yeah. other interviews and stuff like that. It's literally like we could do a documentary 
you know well i think it also i think you need somebody who has the legacy right like the like if you did it on somebody that you know is just getting started then you might not have a whole lot but because he has decades of documentary that we watched too which was more of just a conversation that didn't have any salmon in it Um, though it had mackerel holy mackerel (laughs) it did but i i do like those style of docs sometimes even though they are probably the easiest ones to kind of structure and put together and sometimes they feel a little talking heady or just like not lazy but just kind of like we said a a wikipedia page kind of a very straightforward uh, but if you have a if you have a good enough character like de palma or if you have someone like wolfgang puck who is obviously an experienced television personality yeah he's um, very animated and articulate and and likable and and charismatic and he kind of gets you through the film and again it's not it doesn't overstate its welcome it's just a very kind of like bland kind of documentary approach to you know a biopic but it's fine yeah. it's fine like it's not bad either like i i i didn't mind watching it and like i also got really hungry watching him you know put lemon on the schnitzel i was like oh god dude i love schnitzel so much like and that's the <laughs> thing like when i saw that giant fucking schnitzel that he had when he went to the restaurant in austria right yeah he went to and then also he made his own version later and then the whole last act of the movie i feel like everyone's just making schnitzel well it's him getting like, back in touch with yeah, his, his his austrian his roots, roots yeah because right. he, he, he never really american and french, and french and, yeah yeah and and chinese which is like another thing of like uh, cultural appropriation and cooking is always fascinating to me because is it cultural appro- appropriation or is it fusion or is it like because like obviously you can learn different styles of cuisine and cook it right like there's nothing necessarily wrong with that or become a master in it but like i do feel kind of again the 90s were a different time and maybe he doesn't do this as much anymore but like wolfgang puck an austrian american opening a chinese restaurant just feels like and i don't know who he you know partnered on it with and and stuff like that like they don't really go into those details but those are the kind of things that i know in cooking are still i guess maybe a little bit more accepted of like oh yeah you're a white dude or whoever but you open this style of uh, restaurant and i'm just like it, it always felt weird to me and i don't know if i should feel weird about that or if i should feel fine about it but like I know fusion cooking is obviously his style, but just he's not taking up the- ownership over it though. Like he's not saying know, like I'm yeah. the one that defined this kind of cooking. He actually talks about the idea that, but they know- say he created the Chinese chicken salad, right? And right, like they right. go into that stuff. They're like the Chinese chicken salad you buy at the grocery store that was invented by Wolfgang Puck. Right. <laughs> and it's just well, like- I think with that, I, I think it's more so looking at the idea is like, well, it's very commonplace now where then it was kind of like a revolutionary idea. And it's the same thing with like he, him introducing, introducing uh you know pizza to a fancy restaurant it's like okay yeah like most restaurants have you know that option if you really want it but it's like back in the 80s and 90s it wasn't a thing and it's like these these simple concepts that are are just you know everyday orders or everyday dishes now and at certain restaurants that might not have been there to begin with if if wolfgang puck didn't introduce them so it's it's interesting in that way but i get what you're saying where it's like okay like you know it putting his name on a restaurant that is sort of you know based in in chinese cooking and cuisine or you know uh, that's not austrian that's not uh american per se but it is a weird thing where like the whole point of cooking specifically 
is to sort of mix and match and experiment and sort of, you know, play mm-hmm. with food in a way that is sort of on an international palette and, yeah, and I, sort of yeah. doing that. But I get what you're saying. It's, it's a weird kind of gray zone where it's like, should he be taking sort of ownership for that or, or, or not? Um, but it is interesting in, in that way because food for the most part has always been sort of, or at least when it comes to, uh, you know, culinary schools and, and, and cooking, it's always been applauded to sort of adopt and introduce different techniques, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that's kind of what this is sort of talking about the idea that Wolfgang Puck kind of brought an international flavor to the U S at a time where, you know, people didn't look at food as anything other than utility, you know, just to keep moving, to keep going, to, 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 to eat and then to, to use it as a, a way to live, to function. It mm-hmm. wasn't to enjoy or to sort of, you know, savor in any way. Mm-hmm. It's kind of how my dad still lives, other than KFC, which I just had some leftovers before we ate this. Right. (laughs) I recorded this. My dad is one of those guys who he doesn't really go to restaurants and he doesn't really care about the food that he's eating. He just, it's a utility thing for him, unless like a treat for him is getting a KFC, like four piece fucking box or something. But um, it's so interesting because then obviously with Nevis, my fiance, she is all about it and she loves going to, Fancy restaurants and or upstart companies of, yeah. and sort of like exposing yeah. new sort of like smaller <clears throat> restaurants that might food have trucks, something to really things, yeah. yeah like the trendiness of like food culture now is so different from the time of when Wolfgang Puck like in his early twenties was you know working in L.A. and then coming up and then becoming a successful name like you look at the way that we not only eat food now but the way that we sort of present it in our culture is, is much mm-hmm. different in North American culture specifically. Like I feel like a lot of the stuff he was doing in North America at the time was stuff that was probably a little bit more sort of common in France, in Europe. And where, he just brought it over here. Yeah. Right? Well, where, they even show him going to like the farm to get fresh vegetables. Right. Which or was like, like revolutionary, the, but it's like, yeah, dude, it's like, like a, <laughs> it's like a farmer's market. It like just 20 miles out of yeah, San Diego. Or the fish market he would go to every day, which was a like commonplace in, you know, both Japan, and in Europe and things like that, where they would fresh ingredients, right? Instead yeah. of getting them shipped or, or whatever. And some of that stuff seems so like normal or, or easy to do, but um, he was, he was an innovator, man. And that's why I kind of just dug it. I, it's a slick Disney documentary. And, and if you go in kind of knowing that, I think you'll, um, it depends on how much you know about Wolfgang Puck, but I don't know if anyone's a Wolfgang Puck expert anymore, but um, it did make me hungry. It made me go, you know what? I like Wolfgang Puck enough. I haven't checked out one of his restaurants in a long ass time. If I see one around, I'll go, I'll give you another shot, which is probably what this is. It's an hour and a half advertisement for Wolfgang Puck still and be like, remember me? <laughs> He's still uh, around. I uh, had the hugest craving for uh, schnitzel and spetzel. Oh God, I want, yeah, dude, it's so good. When's I haven't the last had time it in had, so long. Because I feel like we've had schnitzel and spetzel together yeah, at some yeah. point, didn't we? I forget where we got it, but. I think we went um, to that place in, in Whippy that one time. Oh, that German restaurant yeah. in Whippy, right? We Which should is go Wolfgang's. In this, uh, oh, it is, but it's not Wolfgang Park. No, no, but no, like, but it's Wolfgang's. Dude, when if that patio is open, I'm down once we're yeah. fully vaxxed because like- Well, Sushi sh- Mountain, after I- uh, yeah. So if you're listening to this, going I'm supposed to get my, my shot yeah. on, on Tuesday, but um, one of the first places <laughs> I am going, uh, you know, after that two-week incubation period is Sushi Mountain. I haven't been there in a year and a half. I haven't even ordered takeout there, so. Nice. 
Yeah. It did make me think of food and restaurants and this whole thing. So I'm excited to kind of get back to it because I love uh, Nevis and I love going out to eat. So, um, uh, yeah. Anyways, I, I, I dug the movie quite a bit. I will go. Um, I'm going to give it a three and a half. I really liked it. Oh, wow. Wow. I'm going to give it a three. Fair. Um, thank you all for listening. Um, if you like this, we have many other Tribeca reviews up right now on this channel right here. We have reviews up for speaking of wolves, uh, werewolves within, uh, Wolfgang Puck does not appear in that movie. Spoilers. Sorry. Uh, the novice, uh, uh, 12 mighty orphans, Italian studies, catch the fair one. See for me, uh, upcoming later, uh, probably next week, early next week, we'll have a review for, uh, uh, roadrunner, a film about, uh, Anthony Bourdain. Uh, so two different, very different chefs, uh, being featured at, uh, Tribeca. <clears throat> Although Anthony Bourdain does appear for a brief second in this movie. Yeah. Um, uh, so check out that as well as false positive and other Tribeca stuff that we'll have up over the next uh, week or so. We also have reviews for other stuff that are streaming right now, like fatherhood and Luca. So please go check those out. Um, go follow us on letterbox at our letterbox HQ at untitled podcast. Um, we'll post all of our ratings or reviews our lists our schedules, all that stuff over there. So go check that out. <laughs> Um, as well as follow us on all those social medias at untitled underscore cast. Uh, drop us a review if you would be so kind. And as always, my name is Matt Rohrbeck. You can find more of my work around the internet, but mostly at untitledmoviepodcast.com. And you can follow me on all of those social medias at Matt Rohrbeck. And I'm Eric Marchin. You can find more of my video reviews at rogerstv.com slash cinemascene and on the social medias at EM6211. Until next time. It's a fuckhouse. I knew it. I knew it. I shouldn't have done it. <laughs>